All right, if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 17. And this morning I want to preach a sermon on a faith that moves mountains. And I think that's a great title for this sermon. I think it's something we all need to hear this morning. I think it's what the disciples needed here. In this passage that we're looking at today, Jesus makes one of the great statements in all the Bible on faith. And it's exactly what the disciples needed. In, in the days ahead, they're going to need great faith. And I think that's exactly what we need today. We all need to, in the days ahead, looking around at our world, 2020, what we need more than anything else is faith. Uh, we need to know that there's nothing impossible with God. That's what we need to know. We need to know that, that that's our faith, that it's in Him who can do anything that He wants to do. So we need to have faith that moves mountains. So let's stand together. I'm going to read these uh, the seven verses to you this morning, Matthew chapter 17, verses 14 through 21. And again, the title of the sermon is Faith That Moves Mountains. So let's look at verse 14. And you'll see that's the, the main theme of this passage as Jesus is trying to, to build within his disciples faith for the days ahead. So starting there in verse 14, it says, And when they were come to the, uh, to the multitude, there came to him a certain man, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son. For he is a lunatic and sore vexed. For oftentimes he falleth in the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to the disciples and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, Oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil and he departed out of him and the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples of Jesus apart, and they said, Why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. So Jesus shows us here today how to have faith that moves mountains. And I think every single one of us need that today. So let's pray together and we'll look at faith that moves mountains. Father, we thank you for this. I do. I needed this this week. I know on a regular basis my faith gets very low. My faith is seemingly absent sometimes. And I struggle just to get day to day. And I think that's all of us in here. I doubt there's anyone that could say my faith is always at the height, at its greatest. So God, we need to know, especially in days ahead where we're living in, how to have faith that moves mountains, can do the impossible. So God, help us today. Help me. It's impossible for me to even preach this passage without your help. I need your enablement. I need your power. I need your spirit to preach these things. And God, I believe that we need your spirit to hear and to understand and to apply these things. My heart says, my heart desires for all of us to walk out of here today with faith that can move mountains. Every single one of us. So God, help our unbelief. And we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. One of the great painters in the history of the world, they say it's a, he was one of the greats to ever put brush to canvas, was a man named Raphael. And you guys know that I'm, I'm, I'm a 
painting aficionado. You do, you, really, I'm not. I'm a, I'm a teen, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle aficionado is what I am. That's the only painters that I know is the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. But there was a great painter by the name of Raphael. And that's who the Ninja Turtle was named after. If you kids are paying attention, he was named after one of the great painters of all time. A painter from the 1500s. And, and he was a, a young painter, but he was a great painter. And he had his most famous painting was a painting called The Transfiguration of Christ. And it is one of the most beautiful paintings in the history of the world. He painted in the 1500s. He died in the middle of painting that, that wonderful painting. And it's still hanging today in Rome. And you can look it up. You can Google it. You don't have to do that right now. You can do it later. But it is one of the great pictures or paintings in the history of the world. I would love to have it hanging up in my house or in my office. It's just a, a beautiful painting. And you say, why is it so beautiful? Because it has uh, the picture here. He, he painted Matthew chapter 17. And he painted, it's just a wonderful painting. Some of you might be Googling it right now, and that's okay. Uh, I, I almost thought about putting it up on the screen so you guys could see the, the contrast, the, the, how different it is. Because at the top of his painting, and you guys can look it up later, he had a picture of the transfiguration of Christ. And it's very, very bright. It's beautiful. It's glorious. Jesus is shining like the sun. He has Moses and he has uh, Elijah on one side. He has the disciples are, are falling on the ground, three of them, and they're all looking looking up at Jesus and in all of His glory, the top of that painting is as beautiful as it can be and as bright as it can be. I mean, it's just like the sun shining down. And He died again in the middle of painting this, this picture. And He painted that at the beginning. And He began painting the bottom side at the end of His life. 37 years old when He died. And He's painting the bottom part. And the bottom part is so different. I mean, there's such a a contrast there between the brightness of the start of Matthew 17 and the darkness of the bottom of Matthew 17. And that's what he wants to show us. And I think that's what Jesus is showing here. He paints a totally different picture on the bottom. On the bottom, it's, it's ugly, it's dark, it's miserable. On the bottom, he paints the, the darkness of our fallen world. Up here, it's the brightness of the world to come. It's the brightness of our Savior in all of His glory. It's the day to come. It's that day when we stand with Jesus in heaven. It's the brightness of what we all look forward to. And then down here is the darkness of the world we live in today. The ugliness of the world we live in today. The misery of the world we live in today. And I think it's ironic that he, he painted the top in all of its brightness and he painted the, the bottom. And in the midst of painting the bottom in all of its ugliness, he died. Showing the ugliness of the world we live in. Down here is nothing like up there. Up there, it's, he's, he's painting, everything is sight. And we can see it with our eyes. Down here, watch this. We can't see it, so we have to walk by faith. And that's what Jesus is going to show us in this picture today, in the lesson today, that in the darkness of our fallen world, we're going to need a lot of faith. And that's what he's coming down to. For the disciples, it's going to get dark. You think it's dark now. They've had Jesus for two and a half years and everything and they needed. He was right there with them and, and it was always, I need this, okay. I need this, okay. And He's always there. All they had to do was tap Him on the shoulder and He did for them what, he, what they needed. But in the days ahead, He's going to go into Jerusalem. He's going to suffer. He's going to die at the hands of the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and, and He's going to be buried. He's already told them that. It's going to get dark ahead. And even after He is resurrected and ascended into heaven, it's going to get even darker for them. Go into Acts, and it was a dark time. And they're going to get killed. And they're going to get martyred. 
There's going to be a dark time ahead for these disciples and they need more than anything else is faith in God. And for us, and I've got to bring it down to us, our world is extremely dark. And it may get darker. We, we, we live in 2020. How much darker can it get? But the days ahead for Christians are going to get darker and darker and darker. And what do we need more than anything else? Not just faith at the beginning of our Christian life. And, and then we do. We put our faith fully in Christ for salvation, for forgiveness of sin. We do that. We put our faith in Him at the outset. But right now, in the middle of our Christian lives, what we need is continual faith in Christ. And that's what He's going to show us here. And 2 Corinthians says we walk by faith and not by sight. Galatians 2 says the life that we now live, we live in faith in, in, in the Lord Jesus Christ. So we need faith today more than anything else. And again, every moment of every day, we need more faith. And that's what he's trying to teach us here. Jesus is driving this point home. That's the lesson from Jesus. He's showing us that faith can overcome any obstacle in life, no matter what it is. So let's look at that today. I'm going to show you a faith that moves mountains. And I hope to, and I can't build that faith up in you, but I hope God will encourage you and increase your faith this morning for the days ahead. Because we're going to need it. I think we've needed faith since March. We've been living by faith since then. And I think we're going to need it even more in the days ahead. So let's look at this passage, and I want to show you a faith that moves mountains. I found three main points that I want to give you here this morning, starting with point number one. I want to show you the failure to move mountains. The failure to move mountains. As Jesus and his, his three disciples, Peter, James, and John, come down from the mountain, we see that in verse, uh, verse 11, as he's talking, verse 10, as they come down from the mountain, and they're walking down, and they get to verse 14, and they get to the bottom of the mountain. Again, they've come down from this glorious scene where Jesus was transfigured in front of their eyes and they saw Him in the fullness of His glory and His face shone like the sun and there's brightness coming out of His clothes and, and there's Moses and there's Elijah standing there with them and it's just the most glorious thing ever. Peter looks at Him and says, this is good, I want to stay here. I don't want to go back down there into the darkness of the world. Up there in that mountain, and you can even picture that in your minds, it's nighttime, and Jesus is shining like the sun, and it's as bright as it can be, and they can look down at the mountain, and there's the other disciples, and there's a crowd down there, and it's dark, and they're fighting, and it's, it's awful down there. And Peter says, I just want to stay here. And I'll tell you the truth, I wanted to stay here in, in preaching this this week. I thought in the middle of the week, I'm going to preach transfiguration again. I want to stay there. I want to preach the good stuff. That was a good passage last week. Let's just preach it again. Peter said, let's stay here. I want, I want to live in the, the brightness of His glory. Let's stay there. But they have to come down to the real world. We live in the real world. So they come down from the mountain. Think Moses coming down with the Ten Commandments and his tablets in his hands. And what does he see when he gets down there? A mess. The real world is a mess. The real world is chaotic. And when he gets down there, he says in verse 14, they run into a crowd. Mark chapter 9 says that there's a fight going on. Same scene. Disciples on one side, and you'll see that in Raphael's painting. On one side, the disciples. On the other side, a crowd of scribes. These scribes are professional theologian wrestlers is what they are. 
And they're bickering. He, he walks down the mountain with his three disciples and they're sitting there fighting back and forth. They're arguing. They're, they're bickering. They're, they're having a, this, this theological debate going back and forth. And so he sees his disciples fighting. That's the first thing he sees when he gets back down there. And then Matthew 17 says that there's a sick boy. There's demon activity. There's a weeping father. This is the world we live in. Fighting, sickness, satanic activity. I mean, we see all these things. Weeping parents. This is our world we're living in. He's coming down to reality. I could look around the room today and you could tell me what your life is like and it's filled with this kind of thing. Marriage problems. Children rebelling. People that are sick. People that are dying. People that are fighting. All this stuff is going on in our world today. This is what he comes back down to. A dark and chaotic scene. Mark 9 says, and when he gets down there, all the people beheld him and run to him. There's the answer. All eyes were on Jesus. And one in particular, Matthew 17, 14 says, there come a multitude. There came to him one certain man kneeling down and saying, one man runs to him and falls down and this man has a huge problem. I think it's one of the biggest problems that you can have in life. I put my, my, myself in his shoes this week. I don't want to be where he was at. And he comes running to Jesus and he says, Lord, have mercy on not me. His problem isn't him. His problem is his child. There's nothing more pitiful in the real world than a parent grieving over their child. Nothing. I think God gives us children to show us our dependence on him. You can do what you want to me, and I think I'd be okay. I may, I may sit and be a big baby sometimes, like Steph would tell you, but if you do something to my kids, I can't, I can't hardly handle it. Something happens to one of my kids, if they get sick, I can't handle it. And that's what's going on with this father. He, he comes running to Jesus, begging and pleading, asking for mercy, asking for pity, asking for help. Verse 14, he comes kneeling down to Jesus and says, Lord, have mercy on my son. Show us pity. None of us want to be in his father's shoes. None of us. You say, what's wrong with his son? Here's the answer. Verse 15, Lord, have mercy on my son because he is a lunatic. <laughs> That's not nice of him to say. The word means he's an epileptic. The word means he's having, he has seizures. And it's not just that he has seizures and that he's an epileptic, but it says he's sore vexed or he's, he's very ill. And Mark 9 says, takes it even a step further, that he doesn't just have seizures and he's not just sick. We get that. It's not even a physical sickness that he has that's causing his seizures and causing him to be sick. There's something deeper going on with this boy than even our eyes can see. And the father in Mark 9 says, Jesus, he is, he is a lunatic, he's sore vexed, and he has a demon spirit within him. It just keeps getting worse. This boy is possessed by a devil. This boy is dominated by Satan. This boy is controlled by, possessed by the devil. Can you imagine anything worse for a parent to, to understand than to say, my child is controlled by Satan himself? That's what's going on here. Did you see the darkness of this scene? I told Brandon earlier, I, I didn't want to preach this, this this week because it's so dark. It, it's just so heavy. It's, it's so overwhelming, this problem that the Father is facing. This is the world we live in. 
A world that is dominated by Satan. You need to understand that. The devil is real. The devil is just as active today as he was back then. The devil's powerful. The devil's destructive. The devil is out to destroy and to ruin lives. That's who he is and that's what he's doing. The invisible warfare is taking place every moment of every day in this world. We need to know that. And what's the devil doing to him? Watch what it says. The devil throws him into fires and sometimes even into water. Because that's what the devil does. He destroys Steal, kill, and destroy. You want to see satanic activity, you see destruction. Amen. Tearing things down, not building things up. Ripping people to shreds instead of encouraging and putting people back together. Satan does the exact opposite of what God does. God builds up, Satan tears down. So this boy's out of control, constantly trying to hurt himself extremely violent. Mark 9 says that he screams and goes into convulsions and foams at the mouth and he beats his head on the ground. I mean, this is, Mark 9 describes all these things. This, this is, this is, he's, he's disfigured. He's got scars. He's been doing this from the time that he was a, a little boy to now he's a teenager and the father's had to, to keep an eye on him all those years, making sure he didn't throw himself into a fire. No, 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 no. Or throw himself into a water. No, 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 no. You can imagine the pain of the father trying to keep that boy alive. Let me say this, this is a mountain of a problem. This is a mountain of a problem. It's not a literal mountain, but there's not many problems in the world bigger than what this, this son and this father's facing. And this has been going on for years. So the father's looking for answers, so let me keep on going. He's been going to everybody. Tried everything and everybody. And he comes to the disciples looking for help. Jesus is up in the mountain. And the father brings this boy to the disciples, the nine that are left down there, and asks for help. And look what it says. This is a failure. Verse 16. And I brought him to your disciples, and they could not cure him. You can put out beside that. They failed. They tried everything. They tried, every, they tried everything they could do. And they could not cure him. They brought him to the disciples. The disciples probably looked at him and maybe even tried to. Maybe even tried to cast out the demon, but they, they failed. And in this moment, it's embarrassing. It's humiliating. They fell flat on their faces. They failed the father. They failed this son. And they're sitting there at the bottom of the mountain, clueless as to what to do. What was the problem? Why couldn't they heal this boy? They'd seen it done. Jesus had faced demons a lot throughout his ministry. He had just, we've seen it just a, a few pages ago. He's, he's cast out a legion of demons, cast them into some pigs, and he went off the mountain. So they've seen it done. That Jesus confronted and casted out demons constantly. They've been told in Matthew 10, and I don't want to go back there, but if you guys need something to do, Matthew 10, verse 27. No, Matthew 10, 7. Jesus sent the disciples out and said, As you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. He told them, you've got power to do that. Why couldn't they do it? They'd probably even done it before. But here in this case, they failed. In this moment, they were useless, they were powerless, and their failure was what? Faith. 
Jesus will say that in verse 20 because of your unbelief. They'd looked at this situation and said, we've had other, other cases. We've had other times. Get this. This is what the problem is. And I think we all get here sometimes. We, they had these, these other times that they cast out demons and, and these others over here. And they tried it all and done it all. But they come to this one and it's worse than anything they'd ever seen before. This problem was so big. And this, this boy's issue was so bad that they looked at it and said, that is impossible. We can't do nothing for you. It's like you go into a doctor and they see you and they say, you're sick and there's nothing we can do for you. They looked at the father and they looked at this little boy. He may have been, they may have had to tie him down. There's nothing we can do for him. It's a lack of faith. I think we do that sometimes. Problems come to us and we say, that's too much for me. That's too over the top. That's too big. That's too hard. That's too severe. The problem is too big to solve. And they had thrown in the towel. They had given up. They would waved the white flag. And they would said, it's impossible. They would failed. And the devil's sitting there looking at, at the whole situation and saying to the father, there's no hope in the world for you. This was your last hope and they can't do nothing. It's impossible. The disciples failed. We've all been there. This is where their faith was tested. This is where our faith is tested. It's not tested in the mountain, is it? It's not tested when everything is good, when everything is glorious. We can, we can go through life and everything just be great. Everybody's healthy. My marriage is fine. My kids are all there. Everything's wonderful. And our faith is like, I got all kinds of faith. But when you go down the mountain and things get into the valley and it gets dark and it gets hard, and this is where it's really tested when Jesus isn't right beside you and you don't feel the closeness of God with you. Here's where you're tested. Here's where you're tried. Here's where you see where you're faith really is we've all had those high times but here in the midst of a pandemic where's your faith pastor when the crowds aren't what they should be where's your faith where is it when the marriage is struggling and the kids are rebelling and the doctor says you're sick and you're running out of money now where's your faith the disciples failed because of a lack of faith Let's move to point number two. That was their failure to move mountains. They could not cure him. Verse 17, we see the force to move mountains. Because now Jesus steps in. And he, look what he does in verse 17. Then Jesus answered and said, these are tough words. Standing in front of the crowd, and he says, oh, and I underline the word oh there. Because that's a word of anguish, is what that is. You ever said the word, oh? Steph does that. And we used to, when we used to be able to play basketball, we'd go watch our boys. And Isaiah would do something out in the basketball court. He'd foul somebody. He'd turn it over. And she'd be in the crowd. And she'd say, oh, Isaiah. Oh, Isaiah. And people in the crowd begin to think that his name was Hosea. Because that's, oh, Hosea. I don't know if, she, if the crowd thought that his name was Hosea or she was going to sing the national anthem. Oh, no. oh, Isaiah. Oh, Isaiah. It's a, it's a cry of deep anguish. That's what it is. Oh, why did you do that? Oh, why did you do that? Oh, and that's what that oh is. We need to get into this and know what Jesus is saying. Oh, it's pain. It's anguish. It's coming from down here. Oh, 
That's what he's saying. And what does he say to them? Oh, you faithless and perverse generation. What's that mean? You guys know what it means, faithless. You don't believe what I told you. I told you you could do anything. I told you you could raise the dead, cast out demons, heal the sick. I told you. And you didn't believe me. You faithless generation. And then perverse, get this. It's a twisted faith that doesn't believe that God can do it. So you didn't believe what I told you. And you didn't believe that I I could do it. You faithless and perverted generation. It's all messed up. I can't believe this. And then he goes even further. You faithless and twisted generation. And he says here, how long shall I be with you? How long? And, And that word suffer, we would say, how long do I have to put up with you? And I think he's even being reserved here. Those are harsh words. Will you never learn? You guys know what that is too. Teachers standing up in front of kids teaching them. You teach them day after day after day. And I know it's online now. But you teach them day after day after day after day. And you ask them a question after weeks and weeks of teaching them. And the answer is, I don't know. Oh, when will you learn? How long do I have to put up with you? Preachers could do that. You preach it over and over and over and over and over. And you look at it. I mean, I, I do this all the time. I can, I can talk to people and I'll say, hey, you guys know how I preach. It's you gotta, you got to believe in Christ to be saved. Believe, 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 believe. What do I have to do to be saved? Put your faith in Christ. That's how you're saved. And then I'll talk to somebody and I'll say, how do you know you're saved? Well, I've done some good work. Oh, no, you didn't. Well, I got baptized. Oh, no. Oh, Isaiah. <laughs> Right? How long till you get it? He's told them that over and over and over. Matthew 6.30, Jesus said, God will meet all your needs. And he said, oh, you have little faith that don't believe it. Matthew 8.26, in the boat on the, in the middle of the storm, he said, oh, you, go, you have little faith. You don't believe in me. Matthew 14, 31, Peter gets to walk out on water. And he says, oh, Peter starts to sink. And he says, oh, ye of little faith. Over and over and over, every time it got hard, their faith went missing. Every time it got hard. I wonder how often Jesus is frustrated with our faith. When we start worrying about money at the end of the month. He says, oh, Faithless. Why don't you believe in me? Why don't you trust me? I wonder how often he says that about us. Angels believe every word he says. I think animals even believe every word he says. You don't see animals walking around worried about everything in the world. And he looks at us and says, why don't you believe me? Why don't you trust me? Why don't you have confidence in me? Jesus is frustrated with them. We should never doubt what God says. We should never question what God can do. And now he's going to show them. Watch what he does. After rebuking the disciples, he now rebukes the devil. Verse 18. We'll just keep moving through this. And Jesus rebuked the devil. I like what he says before that. Look at the end of verse 17. He says, bring the boy to me. I love that. Go get him. This is the compassion and mercy of Christ. 
that he cares about the father and he cares about the boy. This nameless, faceless father and son, and yet Jesus still cares about him enough to say, okay, bring him to me. I want you to turn with me to Mark 9. I've I've mentioned it several times. I want to... It it expands on the story and tells you the conversation that Jesus has before he casts out the demon. Mark 9, verse 20. Watch what happens. You can see verse 19, and he answered and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? Mark 9, 19. How long shall I suffer you? Bring him to me. And they brought him unto him. And when he saw him, the boy, picture it in your minds, they're bringing the boy to Jesus, probably again controlling him, holding him down. And straightway the spirit tore him. Then he fell on the ground and he wallowed foaming. The demon sees Jesus and goes nuts. Because the devil isn't going down without a fight. So he's going to try to kill this boy. So he gets loose from the people that brought him and he starts going, you you can imagine this, he starts going crazy on the ground, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus in verse 21 says, how long ago since this came unto him? And he said, he's had it since he was a child. And oftentimes it has cast him into the fire. He's been in the fire. He's got burns. And into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said in him, verse 23, if thou canst believe, <laughs> if, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believes. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I do believe, but help my unbelief. I don't believe enough. So will you give me the faith to believe in you? He's asking the one who gives faith to give him faith. Christ as a source of faith, the one who enlarges faith, the one who increases faith. And the, he asked him, will you give me the faith to believe? I don't have enough faith. And the disciples are sitting there faithless. And this guy cries out and says, I, I don't have enough faith. I, I need faith. I can't stir it up within me. I don't have it. Will you give it to me, please? He goes from asking and begging for his son to be healed to, to asking for faith. Please give it to me, please. I don't have enough. That's where we all need to be. It's not the faithless. Oh, it's over. It's impossible. We need to be the ones saying, I need more faith. It's not enough. So he cries out to Jesus for more faith. And what does Jesus do? And when Jesus, verse 25, saw that the people came running, he rebuked that foul spirit, saying unto him, I love this, by sovereign authority and divine command. Jesus rebukes the foul spirit. and says, thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and never go back. What does the demon do? The demon doesn't fight like in a movie of exorcism. It wasn't hard. There's no fight at all. This is a mighty display of power. Because it says, and the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him and left him as one dead laying on the ground that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. You see that? 
Jesus saves the boy. The boy could do nothing for himself. And Jesus saved him. And Jesus cast that demon out. I, even, I had to put a post-it note in my Bible this morning. I was sitting down as church was getting ready to start. And I said, just in my head, Jesus saved the boy. And I believe Jesus saved the father. In that moment. Jesus didn't zap him with faith and say, here's your faith to believe. Jesus gave him a miracle and said, you can believe me now. The father saved, the boys saved. This is powerful. The devil is no match for Jesus. So Jesus shows the father. Jesus shows the son. Jesus shows the disciples. Jesus shows us exactly what we needed and what they need. It's a good reminder for every single one of us. And we need to get this. Nothing is impossible for God. This was a mountain of a problem and Jesus just moved that mountain out of the way. He got rid of the demon. The boy is, is up and, and acting normally now. The father hadn't seen this in years. They're hugging. They're crying. They're weeping. They're thankful. Jesus has moved the mountain out of the way to show us there is no limits to the power of God. We need to, we need to know that. Nothing is too hard for Him. Nothing is too big for him. I wrote all these things down. Nothing is too hard. Nothing is too big. Nothing is too severe. No one is too far gone. There's no problem that you will ever have that is too big for him to solve. There's no mountain too big for him to move. We're not talking about a literal mountain here. We're talking about mountains of problems. And there's nothing in your life that he can't solve. There's nothing in your life he can't move. This is a force that they needed to see. They looked at a problem and said, too big, can't do it. Jesus comes in and says, out of the way, gone. With just a word. By a word and the power of the Holy Spirit, the demon came out. You say, that's good to know. That Jesus can do that. Watch this. This is so good. This is the best part of the sermon. Building towards this. If you haven't been paying attention, now's the time to pay attention. <laughs> you guys can wait till now. Wake up now, right? Because that's good to know that Jesus can do that. And that those disciples then had access to Jesus in that moment to get him to do that. But what will the disciples do when Jesus is ascended and gone? They won't have access to him like they have then. And then here we are today. We say, yes, I know that Jesus can do that. And if he was here today, we know that there's nothing too big for him to do. We get that. You guys are sitting there saying, Josh, you're, you're preaching to the choir here. We know that nothing is impossible with God. If he's here, he can do it. But what happens when we don't have him in our sights and we have to have faith in him, even though we can't see him, what do we do then? And that's where he moves to in verse 19. We get to see how we have access today to that power they had then. How do we get that power? How do we have access to that? And the answer is the third point, the faith to move mountains. They go to they have a meeting with him in verse 19. Then came the disciples of Jesus apart and said, why, could, why couldn't we cast him out? <laughs> Again, the boy's better, the father's overjoyed, the son's life has changed. Now they have this private meeting with Jesus. I think it's classroom teaching time. That's what I think this is. 
I think you've got Jesus standing up in a classroom, not online, they're in person. And you've got the 12 disciples seated around the room, and one of them raises their hands and says, Jesus, why couldn't we do that? Why couldn't we do what you just did? We failed. You succeeded. What was wrong with us? And Jesus says, all right, teaching time. And this whole section, I don't want to get into it much, from Matthew 17 to Matthew 21 is Jesus teaching them life lessons for the days ahead. Here's what you need to know while I'm gone. Brandon called it life lessons from the master teacher. And maybe a good title for a little series that we could do at some point. Because that's what he's teaching them here. I'm getting ready to leave. Here's what you need to know. The first one's faith. So look at the first lesson. This is teaching time. Again, they're not on a Zoom call. They're face to face. Verse 19, the disciples came to Jesus apart and said, why could we not cast him out? That's the question. (laughs) Why couldn't we do it? What were we lacking? What's up with us? And the answer in verse 21 is your lack of power was due to your lack of faith. That's the problem. You didn't believe like you should have believed. And this is a problem for them. I think it's a problem for us. I think it's a problem with the the church today is that we don't believe, we don't have faith in what Christ has said. We must believe. That's what faith is. Believing God Faith isn't just something that's out there. I've got to be real quick on this. Faith is believing what God said because God said it. That's what faith is. That's simple. You guys can write that down. Faith is believing God because God said it. Whatever God said about whatever God says, we must believe that. That's faith. That's what faith is. So what God says about salvation that's only made available through Jesus Christ who went to the cross and died for our sins was buried and rose again. If God said that's the way of salvation, we believe that because God said that. It's not a feeling that we had. It's not an experience that we had. It's solely because God said so. If God said that He created the heavens and the earth in six days and rested on the seventh, if science, whatever science wants to say, we believe God. That's faith. Whatever God says. Whatever God says about heaven, I don't know where heaven's at. I ain't seen heaven, but God tells me what heaven is, and I believe that. That's faith. What God says about right and wrong. What God says about uh, all, all the, the issues of life. We believe God. That's faith. So He says, you didn't believe me. You didn't trust me like you should. But here's the promise. I love this. I told you, if if the first two points were you were like, eh, this point, you should be like, yeah. Look what he says. Your problem was unbelief. For verily, whenever you hear verily, you know it's important. I say unto you, if you have faith, do you see that? Underline it. If you, and he's talking personally, if you have faith, And he's not asking for a lot of faith. If you have the faith as a grain of a mustard seed. And a mustard seed is the smallest fragment of a seed that you could find. Think mustard seed. Think one grain of sand. He's not asking for a whole lot. The mustard seed faith is the minimum amount of faith it takes to even be saved. Small. Minuscule. Tiny. If you have a little bit of faith in a very big God. If you just have a little. And I love that the way he, he compares these things. If you have the tiniest faith, you can move the biggest mountains. 
a little faith. You shall say to this mountain, remove, and it will. And nothing shall be impossible for you. You see that? That's amazing. Nothing shall be impossible. You won't watch this. Let me, let me, let me reread this just so you, you'll grab it. If you have the faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you shall say into this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove. And nothing shall be impossible unto you. He's not talking about him being here with them. He's talking about when he's gone, you'll have the same capacity that I have. If you have faith. This is a monumental statement. How would your life change if you truly believe that Jesus meant what he said when he said this? I believe that's true. If you have the tiniest, you don't have to have great faith. The tiniest faith. In the biggest of God. Then you can move the biggest mountains in the world. And he's not talking about actual mountains. He's saying here, get this, if you have a little bit of faith, then there's nothing in life too big for us to face. If you have the, I'm going to say it again. Dad got it, nobody else did. If you have the little, tiniest bit of faith, then there's nothing in life too big for you to face. That's a huge statement. There's nothing in life too big. There's nothing in life too hard. There's nothing of life in life that's too far gone. There's no problem that's too big to solve. And that's for us here and now. If you have the tiniest bit of faith, there's nothing impossible for you, for us. We see evidence of this. I'm going to ask you to turn to one more spot. Matthew chapter 11. Not Matthew 11, I said Hebrews 11. Sorry. You guys know this is a chapter that is the hall of faith. Now watch this. Just work with me down this passage. Let me show you the mountains after mountain after mountain after mountain after mountain in Hebrews 11. Let me just start in verse 7 of Matthew or Hebrews 11. By faith, you see that? I mean, I, I can work my way down this passage. Verse 3, through faith. Verse 4, by faith. Verse 5, by faith. Verse 6, but without faith. Verse 7, where we're going to start, by faith. You, you see, that it just keeps on going. Verse 8, by faith, through faith, by faith. Over and over and over, it shows you what faith did in the lives of these great men. I, I love this. Verse 7, by faith, Noah, what did he face? A flood. How big a problem was that? And by faith, Noah built an ark. He believed what God said, said, I'll do it, built the ark. God got him through one of the most catastrophic events in the history of the world. That's a mountain of a problem. And by faith, Noah got through it. By faith, what's this? Abraham left home. Verse 8. God said, leave. Abraham, by faith, said, I believe what God said because God said it and I'll do it. And he left home. That's one of the greatest acts of faith faith that you can do. God said it. I believe it. Let's go. That's what Abraham said. God said it. I believe it. Let's go. And he went. What's this one? Verse 11. I just want to work my way through this. By faith also, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered a child when she was past age. She had a geriatric pregnancy. (laughs) 
You say, how, how, what's past age? Johnny, I think you said 90 years old. I'm fine, yeah. Is that a mountain of a problem? God said you're going to have a baby at 90 years old. We all would have laughed. Abraham and Sarah believed it because God said it. Let's go. And they got through it. Let's keep going. You want to move down to Moses? i got a whole list of things that Moses did. You can see by faith Jacob, by faith Isaac, by faith Joseph. And it goes through their lives one by one and says, here's the mountain of a problem. Here's how they got through it by faith in what God said. Moses, verse 23, by faith Moses, when he was born, he had three months in the parent, uh, of his parents. By faith Moses, verse 24, when he came to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. It just keeps on going all the way down. Moses went through. God sent him into Egypt against Pharaoh by faith. He got through that mountain, mountain of an army. I mean, just, just keep on going down through there. I, 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 by, by faith, Jericho's walls came tumbling down. That's a mountain of a problem. Watch, watch, let's just let me read through verse 32 through 39. And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah, of David also. It was by faith that the giant came tumbling down. That's a mountain of a man, a mountain of a problem. And by faith, the giant came down. Look at verse 33. Through faith, subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. These are all problems that through faith they got through. Quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of a sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others, he says, watch this, had trial, cruel, trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover bonds and imprisonment. Imprisonment's a, a mountain of a problem. They were stoned, sewn in half. Tempted, slain by the sword, wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins. They were destitute, afflicted, tormented, wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these obtained a good report. How? Through faith. They all got through mountains of problems because they believed in God. There's nothing too big for them because there was nothing too big for God. Now let me say this. That's the evidence in Hebrews 11. And I'm getting ready to close, I think. But we see this evidence in our own lives. And I, I want to do this. I don't do this much. But I want to make it very, very personal. Because I sit down this week and I said, oh, Hebrews 11, that, yeah, everybody's going to be like, yeah, yeah, they got through this and they got through that and they got through this. I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it. But what does that mean to me? I'm not sitting in a lion's den with God shutting the mouth of a lion. I'm not facing Goliath. <laughs> I'm not trying to knock down the walls of Jericho. I'm not facing the <laughs> Pharaoh and the Egyptian army. I'm not facing the, the Red Sea and I can't go around it and I can't go over it. And God said, if you have faith in me, I'll take you through it. I'm not facing that. Watch this. By faith, I've seen women in this church face the impossibility of having a baby. 
And I've prayed with these women. And the church has prayed for these women. And by faith, we prayed, we asked, we trusted. And God has given, opened the womb and given birth. By faith, I sit down in St. Jude's Hospital with a young man that goes to our church who they gave 1% chance of living. And I sit down with a mom and a dad and with him and we prayed and we trusted and we said, God, there's nothing impossible for you. The doctors may throw in the towel. The doctors may say there's no hope. The doctors may want him to go home. But God, our, our faith is not twisted. Our faith is in you. Yeah. We trust you. If you want a healing, we know you can. And if you don't, we know your will is greater than ours. And he's probably watching right now. I've seen an elderly lady in this church who usually sits right over there. Who they said, she'll die tomorrow. Josh, go home and write her funeral sermon out. And I sit beside her bed and held her hand when she wasn't even awake to hear me. And Charlie sitting beside me, tears flowing down our face. I said, God, we know you can. We don't know if you will. Because that's the thing with these mountains. We don't know. We, can, we can't just speak these things into existence. That's not faith. Faith trusts what God says because God said it. And that's what faith does. So we sit down and we say, okay, God, we know that you can. We don't know if you will, but we'll trust you either way. And faith gets you through to where she's here almost every single Sunday now. And I can keep going. You, you want to see these things? I've seen, watch this, I've seen people, parents in this church face the, the death of their child. And I've in hospital rooms as the child is laying there Passed away with a mom and a dad. And that is a mountain of a problem. And in, in my sitting there, I can think back to the day, just wanting to say, I don't know. Then all we can do is say, God, get us through. I've seen brothers pass away, and we don't know. Mountain of a problem. And by faith you get through. I've seen marriages fall apart. And God put them back together. I've seen spouses found. I wrote that down here. What does that mean? I've got a sister downstairs who would come to me over and over and over and say, Bubby, <laughs> Do you think God will ever give me a man? <laughs> I don't know. But I know he can. And I know that if you trust him, he'll come through for you. And I prayed for her and I prayed with her and I prayed with my mom and my dad. And one day she texted me and said, I found one. <laughs> and by faith, that mountain, gone. I've seen Amanda. Same story. She didn't text me and say, Bobby, will I ever find a man? The staff would tell her, wait, God's got a plan. God's got a man. Let's pray. And she comes to church, and this one comes to church. 
And by faith, God put them together. We've seen these things here. I've seen kids saved. I've seen parents come weeping to me in my office and say, my kid is rebellious. My kid is turned away. My kid is, is never going to be saved. It's a hopeless, helpless situation. And we say, nothing is impossible with God. We've seen needs met. We've seen addiction overcome. Just in this church. We've seen sin repented of. We've been a church that said, you know what? And I love this about our church. By faith, we believe that the Word of God is enough. Just preach it and let it go and give God the results. And the church has come together and said, we're going to let you preach. Just preach it week in and week out. And you don't have to do anything special. You don't have to do anything outrageous. You don't have to put on a show. Just open up the Word of God. Preach it verse by verse. Week in, week out. Day by day. Year after year. And let God have the results. And by faith, God is growing our church. That's a mountain that God is just... He said, get it out of the way. There's all kinds of mountains in our lives. We've seen so many times that by faith, God has gotten us through. And get this, March 22nd, I stood up here and there was not a soul out here. You guys remember that, right? Nobody here but Gracie Bell and a camera. And I remember saying, God, I don't know how are we going to get through this. No offering being taken up. Nobody to work, nobody to serve, nobody has jobs out there. They've shut us all down. How will we get through? And by faith, here we stand today stronger than we were in March 22nd. How did we get through? By faith. And I'm giving you these examples to show you whatever it is you're facing right now. And kids, whatever it is you face in the future. The only way to overcome it and to move that mountain is by faith. Whatever it is. That's what he's showing us here. By faith, we've seen lots of mountains moved. And by faith, we'll see more mountains moved. You say, how do we do that? How do we have access to it? He says that in verse 21, and I'll close. How be it this kind This big problem like this goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. That is the access. Here we are by faith. Here He is. Here we are. Here He is. Here's the power we need. Here's the problems we have. How do we access His power? That's pretty good. It's not even in my notes. Here's our problem. Here's His power. How do we connect those two? prayer that's our access again I've said it several times but Jesus was there with them can you imagine that Jesus was there with him where all they had to do was outstretch their arm and put it on his shoulder and say I need some wisdom will you help me with this problem I need you to meet my needs will you will you will you feed thousands and there he was, just, just, just at a hand's reach. You, you with me there? So they had a problem, and all they had to do was reach out to him by hand, by, by, in flesh, and say, I need help. This guy's a demoniac. I need help. We need food. I need help. I need wisdom. I need help. And he was right there. So how do we have that today? That we have a problem here, and he has power here. What's our access? It's the same outreached arm 
reaching up to God and saying, I need help. It's by prayer. I think that's phenomenal. Prayer is the ultimate act of faith. I sit still. I do nothing. Get this. I look up and ask a God that I can't see to work on my behalf and undertake my cause. That's what prayer is. You guys want that definition again? I think, I, I, I think it's wonderful. You guys can quote me on this. This is what prayer is. I sit still. I do nothing. I look up. I ask a God that I can't see to work on my behalf and to undertake my cause. That's prayer. And when I do that, I have His ear. I have access to His power. I reach out to Him by faith. I don't demand anything. I don't claim anything. I don't twist anything. I asked with outstretched arms and by faith, God help me. God help me find a spouse. God help me get through a pandemic. God help me through the death of my child. God help me with a cancer diagnosis. God help me. That's what prayer is. That's our access to the power of God to get through whatever problem we face. It's by prayer. I told you this sermon would get better. You guys were bored stiff at the outset. Prayer is the access. And this is so good. My problem, His power, my prayers. And I go to Him knowing full well that He can do whatever I ask Him to do. That there's nothing impossible with God. Nothing I bring to Him He can't handle. Again, I have a little bit of faith. And sometimes not even that. I feel like my faith is on a teeter-totter. <laughs> you ever feel that way? I love when my kids get on a teeter-totter. You guys ever played with one of those? You get. I love to get on one side and put two or three of my kids on the other side. And I can get them way up in the air. And I can hold them there. But I'm going to have five kids soon. They can make it outweigh me soon. That's how I feel my faith is sometimes. Sometimes it's like it's up here. And sometimes it's like it's way down here. But a little bit of faith. A little bit of faith. He's not asking much from us. A little bit of faith in our very big and powerful God can move mountains. So we know He can do whatever we ask. We know he'll answer us. We know he will. It's not a guarantee that he'll do what we ask, what we tell him to do. But it is a guarantee that he will do what's best for us. He will do what's right for us. He will do what's good for us. So that's how you get through mountains. That's faith. Faith will get us through. Faith will get us over. Faith will get us around any mountain we face in life. I love that. That doesn't come out but by prayer and by fasting. And he adds that fasting. You say, why is that there? Because sometimes getting through, around, or up a mountain takes a little bit more work than one prayer. Sometimes it takes disciplined week after week after week working and praying and fasting. I thought about it this week. There's one big mountain in America right now. We have some problems. And I have been guilty of standing up in front of the church and saying it's hopeless for America. I've said that. 
God, we're under the judgment of God, and then there's nothing that can be done. <laughs> and I read this passage, and I thought, you know what? The problems of America is not too big for God. But it's going to take more than one time praying to get God's power to solve America's problem. That kind of problem, these big boy problems, are going to take big boy prayers. And you're going to have to fight for it. And you have to work at it. You can't throw in the towel and wave the white flag. You're going to have to really put some effort into this. And the church hasn't been doing that. We might sit there and say, if my people, on a shirt. But how often are we, if my people, and we're bowing down our faces before God every day in every service, saying, God, I know that there's no problem too big for you. You can heal our land and you can save our nation. I know you can. And I trust that whatever you do is good and right and best. And we place it all into your mind. Hands. You don't do that just once. Not with a problem like that. I think Satan is destroying our nation right now. Bringing it down to its feet. What does the church need to be doing? Praying. Going to God. Our problem, our power, we need to be praying. That's faith. That's a mountain in front of us. Now let me close. I think I said I was going to close about 15 minutes ago. Yeah. I don't know what you're facing today. I wish I did. I, I really do. You may have a serious issue and a grave concern that you're facing as soon as you walk out these doors today. It may be your health. It may be a job. It may be your kids, your marriage, money, the coronavirus. I don't know what it is. And you look at it and you say, I see no way out. I see no way around. It's too big. It's too much. It's a mountain to you. It's insurmountable. There's nothing you can do. Let me point you to our God who can do anything. Let me tell you that you need to turn to Him in faith. Pray, seek Him, and trust that He will get you through, around, or over top of any problem that you're facing here today. I don't know what it is, but God will get you through. It may not be today. It may not be tomorrow. Some of these problems that I named in here, it took a long time. I don't know how many texts I got from my sister saying, Bubby, <laughs> Bubby, <laughs> Bubby, <laughs> oh, year after year after year. And finally it happened. But it's just over and over and over. Going to God by faith and praying. Whatever your problem is, whatever it is you're fa facing, all, all, all you have to do, don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Don't wave the white flag. Go to God and say, I'm having trouble here. Help my unbelief. Help me to trust you in this. Help me to trust you right now. And I started praying that every day. Through this pandemic and, and things are up and things are down and everything's chaos. And I wake up every morning and I say, God, I'm going to begin to doubt today. And I'm going to have trouble today. And I'm going to lose confidence in you today. Will you please help my unbelief? Help me to get through this. Every single one of us should be praying in our pews today. Help me in my unbelief. Help me to trust you. Help me to get through, over, or around whatever problems in my way. Help me, God. I don't believe enough. And I guarantee you that He'll get you through. Guarantee you. And then lastly, you may be facing the ultimate mountain today. Big old mountain of sin, death, and hell. You may be an unbeliever. And you can look at that, and I'll say this. In your hands, that is an unsolvable problem. 
There's nothing you can do. But I've got great news for you. Jesus went to a mountain. And they hung Him up on a cross. And He took our sin upon His shoulders. And He moved that mountain. What a mountain He moved. The sin in my life was a mountain. The death that I was facing was a mountain. The hell that I was going to was a mountain. And Jesus conquered all three. And He moved that mountain. And now, salvation, forgiveness, heaven is yours if you'll just take it. Oh, so easy, is it not? You say, how do I have that? I have a problem. I'm not saved. I need the power of God to save me. How do I get that salvation? Oh boy, you with me on this? Big problem! I'm lost! An unbeliever! In my sin! Going to hell! Eternity in hell! What a problem! Demoniac doesn't match that. I mean, no, no problem matches going to hell in your sin. Power of God to save anyone. Yeah. How do we access that? The same way the, the, the thief on the cross did. In that second, he reached out in faith to Christ. And in that moment, he was saved. Praying by faith to Christ and saying, even if you have trouble believing, help me in my unbelief. Save me. Forgive me. That's the prayer that accesses salvation. Forgive me of my sin. And He will. That's one mountain that can be removed today. Now. In this moment. If you, by faith, go to God and ask. That simple. Faith will remove the mountain of sin. Because, and this, this, is, this is what I, how I want to close. Even in salvation, nothing is impossible with God. In salvation, no one no one is hopeless and helpless if they can just reach out by faith to God. Amen. So I call you to do that today. If there's anybody in here, anybody online that's an unbeliever, I urge you today, not wait. Walk up this aisle and come to the altar. Grab Brandon, grab me, grab my Uncle Johnny. And we'll sit down and show you how you can by faith access the salvation. So do that today. And if anybody else in here needs to pray about an unsolvable problem, I'll gladly sit down and pray with you today. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for a great passage. I know there's some, a difficult passage, but I think it's something we all need in the days ahead to know that we can fully and totally trust you with our lives, that there's nothing impossible with you. Help us to walk out of this church today with greater faith in you than what we had when we came in. And God, if there's anybody in here that's an unbeliever, may today be the day that they reach out to you in their unbelief, that you would help them in their unbelief to put their full faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, to call upon the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Please, God, by your Spirit, move in this uh, church today.
And if there's anybody in here, God, with problems that they think are too big, too overwhelming, too much, I pray that, God, you would give them the faith to trust you in it and that you would get them through. And we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.